This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. I'm surprised that they, a lot of people really uh, seem to be angry. Oh my me. goodness! No! Magic players <laughs> angry at things? Holy shit. Oh. Oh man. What are we gonna do? Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by ManorDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mines they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. Anything that costs a shit ton of mana, you're just like, bang! And they're like, fuck. How does that go? Bang! Fuck. <laughs> Jay Boosh. And that's like the hyper angle. I never want to play in another GP again. I, want to, I never, ever want to play in another GP. And Jeremy. And you're the reason I play Magic too. I'm like, I just like, I die. I die. I was like, like just melting on the inside like that. I have inspired this kid to play Magic. And now, the A-Team. Hello and welcome to the A-Team, episode 255. I think we're going to go with the show title. Is my recording going? I don't know. <laughs> Mr. KYT, are you recording this episode? I, I am recording this episode. Okay, good. I am recording this episode as well. And uh, yeah, this is Jeremy Scumbag Scorfield. Uh, Scorfield. Jeremy Scorfield. Um, I cannot speak. <laughs> um, I'm a little rusty, as you can tell. I'm a little out of practice. Uh, yeah. Last shift, I wasn't here. So. Uh, what the, what the fuck? fuck happened? What the what the fuck happened? The fans need to know. Okay, so I am working in a well, just outside of a small town called Anzac, Alberta, and where Anzac, Alberta is, is to the fuck far away from any sort of civilization. Uh, it's near Fort McMurray. If you have any environmentalist friends, we're the reason that North America is dying. Um, it's the heart of the oil sands in Alberta, in Canada. It's kind of the Texas part where all the money comes from. Or at least that's the way we like to think of ourselves. So I'm working in this very, very small town of probably about 500 people. And in order to get up here, there's pretty much two roads that come up here, two different highways. There's one highway that's twinned up and everything like that. It's a little bit longer. It's not the way I normally go. It doesn't have as many stops on it um, as far as like places to stop and eat and stuff like that. So I, I tend to not go on the twinned road. I tend to take the solo lane highway. Uh, part of that is because I actually like, I don't know if there's any sort of thing as like driving narcolepsy, but if there is, I have it because I have to like chug energy drinks the whole time I'm driving any long distance because I just want to immediately fall asleep. Okay. Which brand of energy drink? I just, What's your go-to? I just classic Red Bull. <laughs> classic. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm driving up and just outside of a small town called Conklin on the 881 highway. I see that there's traffic in front of me. Now, at like 2 o'clock on a Monday afternoon type thing like that, there's no such thing as traffic. 
but there's traffic there. And what ends up happening is that I guess some, uh, what they call a mod. So a mod is on a construction site. Like they have like big buildings and giant like structural steel that have pipes and everything running through it. They don't usually build those on site because building things on site adds congestion and you have to have the site ready for certain things. So what they'll do is they'll build them in a mod yard. They'll throw them on a giant truck. And it's almost like when you see like a house being put on the back of a truck and driven around. It's the same kind of thing where the single eat up like the whole road. Well, apparently they were driving and this truck carrying a mod went off the road. So the mod went all over the place. The truck went all over the place. They were trying to clean the whole thing up, but it was a giant mess. Uh, but what ended up happening, pretty much someone comes down the road and says, uh, yeah, we're closing the road. You won't be able to access it for like another. I think they said something ridiculous, like 12 hours or something stupid. Like they were just shutting down. Wow. So being where I was at, it pretty much I, I didn't get in until 10 o'clock, whereas normally I was about two hours away from two and a half hours away from where I, I was headed to. Oh, no, probably an hour and 45 minutes away from where I was going to. So. I had to go back down, uh, like pretty much go to the west to try and get back on the road. But it took me, I don't know, almost two hours to get to Highway 63, which is the other way. And yeah, it was a lot of backtracking. So by the time I got in, it was already just way too damn late. The show was already done and I was all pissy. But I have mm. been doing uh, audiobooks, and I almost finished Ready Player One. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that has been very enjoyable. I enjoy that. I'm really actually starting to enjoy audiobooks, so. Yeah, how about yourself? How are you? How was the show last week? The show was great. Um, we had uh, Dave Goldfarb on. Um, he was on the uh, World Magic Cup team from last year, and he recently won a pre-TQ. Uh, an interesting personality. Um, love joking around with him. Like, loves calling himself... The Farb. The Farb. And, uh, we also had the content on, Woo! so that was nice. Uh, he he those, really those, came those, through. Those, 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 those. Yeah, there's some people that uh, we got some some good feedback. Yeah, from him, and not only that, his his con- contest segment uh, definitely brings his own set of comments. Um, so he he's been good for us. Um, I enjoy having him on the show. Uh, as for me, uh, magic has been a little crazy by the time. Uh, I haven't been playing. I, I still haven't been playing. I hate to say that. I hate for both of us to to say that every week. And our fans are like, "Fuck again!" They didn't play any magic. But uh, I'm actually working really hard on magic related things. And by the time this gets released, we will probably be announcing the face to face games dot uh, com uh, tournament series for next year, which will be taking over the manadeprived.com um, super series. Look, I, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that you work for those people now, but they gotta stop eating all your good shit. <laughs> they, they, they just gotta do they no. <laughs> so they're gonna take take the take the name. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, it's, it, it's the eventuality. Um yeah I know uh, I know Except a long time ago, um, you know, it, it started as like a sort of to get a feel of what what was out there. Um, I mean, they helped with previous series. Like, I mean, the first tour was by Kyle Rick, the Canadian Magic Tour, and now now went to the Man Deprived um, Open Series. Then, like, we had a bit of conflict with SCG Super Series. 
So we changed it to Super Series, but then Wizards decided to come up with Sunday Super Series. So we got a bone there as well, but we kept the name because Wizards uh, did not complain. But now that uh, Face wants to take it to the next level, and of course they, they're, they're in charge. They're putting the big bucks, so it's time to put their brand name, rightfully so. And uh, for next year, there's going to be a lot of uh, exciting new stuff. We're ramping up uh, to the point where... Um, we're going to be announcing uh, local stores because a lot of local stores, what I was surprised about over the last couple of years that the MDSS has started, I mean, it was just, uh, I felt like at the beginning, it was just a random couple of one or two Ks across the country, but I've received many emails directly uh, to my personal email asking how, how they could participate, how they could advertise, if there's anything. So the exciting thing about the, the series for next year, we will be having trials. We will be like providing these stores with packages if they want to, to be able to um, host a trial at their store. So and have this sort of mutual help each other. They they sponsor the series, but we uh, mentioned their store name as well. So that kind of cool partnership. So next year there's going to be uh, a tournament every month. Um, I mean, the, I'm 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 thinking the schedule will be part of the schedule will be uh, released uh, sometime this week, and there'll be an opportunity for for stores to host trials. So I'm actually pretty excited about that, especially since people have been asking for it. Sweet. We need to know more details. We got to have it because everyone's going to want to be part of this. Yeah, um, I want. I want to play. I want to play in big tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys going to do something a little bit more exciting with the all the winners get to do something? You're going to have a little bit more of like a, an invitationally type thing. Uh, mm, we're working towards that. I think I talked about a few episodes ago. Uh, the. Uh, the future is to get that. Um, I know it has something to do with the fact that it costs about a billion dollars to fly across this country. <laughs> I know that there's there's something involved with that, but if there was some stakes on the end of it and stuff like that, I'm pretty sure people would be willing to buy a ticket. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, we considered that. We had to. Uh, we looked at all the options, and uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, I think I trust so. that you guys will do awesome. Yeah, um, we'll definitely do awesome. Um, yeah, and um, besides that, um, what else I've been doing? <laughs> Playing a lot of. Uh, oh, I, I just recently today one of my social media posts is to plug uh, a board game called Code Names. Yeah, I've right. actually been talking to my my LGS, seeing if they have a copy, and they do not. So I maybe. Seeing if I can get one shipped out my way. Whoa. From the fine folks at Face to Face Games. Pass, pass. Well, you should. We only have, uh, it's been, I, I don't know the exact reasons because I'm not the inventory master of the store, but uh, we have a limited supply. We only have five left. Um, that's all, that's, that's what I see here. And um, it's been an awesome game. I, I bought it for my friend. Oh, no, I saw PV play it in Quebec City with uh, Shahar. And um, Sam Black and others, and and I know PV brought it to him when he Down was staying over. Copies. Well, okay, <laughs> staying over at Haynes Place uh, with Shahar before going to Quebec City, and uh, it was interesting. And then I did a bit of research. It's actually ranked currently as the number one party game on Board Game Geek, and decided to. Th- and it's not like 
super expensive. I mean, you know, all these other board games are like 50, 60 bucks sometimes. Yeah, right? yeah, this one's like super inexpensive. It's like 20 some odd bucks. Right, 20 some odd bucks. So I'm like, wow, that's like the perfect birthday gift uh, for, for my friend that, that enjoys these type of games. Like he already has a love letter and, and other, other stuff like that. So I, th- I think I may have gotten him love letter the other time or, or other games like that. And this is amazing because basically what happens is there's a grid of 25 cards and you have a stack of them. So you shuffle them up. And so it's 25 cards, five by five grid, and they're all different words. And you have another card that tells you, so you're two teams that tells you which um, cards correspond to which team, like which cards that you need your team to hit. Yeah. And the idea is if Jeremy is my partner, uh, Jeremy sees, uh, let's say he's the spy master. He sees the words he needs me to point to and his turn, he has to say one word, one, a one worded clue um, that would make me want to pick as many of those words as possible. But also he also wants to avoid me picking the other team's words. And then there's also the deaf word, like one word on the board that if you choose it, your team dies. It's like the assassin so, or something like that. Yeah, whoever flips yeah. the assassin instantly loses. Right. So it's it's super hilarious because as usual, you're going to have like teams that go like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, why did you say that word? Or no, I was trying to get this. Or I mean, I was trying to connect the words mug and jack. Okay. And I told my friends, my team, we were playing, we were six people. This could play up to eight and possibly even more, but a six was still perfect because you you have a spy master and you have two two people that are talking over what to pick. And I said the word bottle. Okay. And, and my friend Derek, uh, the, the birthday boy, he's like, well, KYT, I don't think he knows what bottle of Jack is. So I don't think it's that. And then in my head, I'm like, fuck. Like, I, I have to keep. To keep the game completely fair, like as the spy master of like the spy master of each team has to keep a complete straight face. And in my head, I'm like, what the fuck, man? I know what a bottle of Jack is. And so uh, there's going to be instances of that. And uh, I'm sure you're going to have loads of fun. And Doug, Doug told me he bought it because I recommend it. And I'm not just recommended because we have it at the store. Like I bought my friend a copy. I bought a copy myself. And it's one of the highest rated games of the year. And uh, it's not like I tweet with the Face to Face Games account like many things every week. I mean, oh I think my I... goodness! Stop being so freaking like self conscious. We know that you're a shill already. You don't have to pretend oh, yeah. like you're not. So like just just <laughs> fucking move on. Man, Jeremy for giving me a hard time, man. Yeah, actual <laughs> hard time. Who didn't show up last week? <laughs> sakes. Um. So I, 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 I had a great time play that all night. And uh, now, like, now I'm going to be testing with a few friends this upcoming week um, because they're going to be playing at GP Pittsburgh for Modern. Okay. I haven't really decided uh, if I'm going to go, be going myself. I, I probably put that Is that as... this weekend, like the 21st, 22nd? Yeah, yeah, it's this weekend. Sweet. I give it like a five to ten percent chance that I'm actually going. Five to uh, ten. Yeah. What's been awesome is that my mom flew out to Asia um, this past Saturday, and she's going to be there with my sister and my dad for uh, 
the next three weeks. So I have the house to myself for three weeks. What about grandpa? Uh, my grandpa moved out a few months ago. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, so I'm all alone. And uh, it's kind of kind of awesome uh, being this like Asian kid who's lived with his parents his whole life. I mean, having not not having to. Report I gotta to say that, like, I know I know we're close in age and stuff like that, but I, I just find it so incredibly adorable that you're like, oh, it's so fun <laughs> to live by myself. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what it's like, Jer. <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> But the truth. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I hope that you have like a pizza party and eat candy and all that other shit that Macaulay Culkin did in Home Alone when he found out he was buying. <laughs> I hope that can be you. I would need to find like my dad's credit card or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> in in Magic News, we had Tom Martell, or, or a good friend of our show, friend of the show, um, Tom Martell, take down. Other friend of the show in Turnwald in the finals of GP Atlanta. Yes, it was it was a stacked top eight, and uh, then we had Esper Dragons take over uh, GP Brussels. I was watching part of that. Um, we had uh, it was it's pretty interesting to see Gabe Nassif as one of the commentators and to see uh, three rally decks in the top eight. Um, so it's still a lot of interesting stuff. It's not it's not just Abzan. But Abzan was in the top eight, but there's still this Rally deck, this Esper Dragons deck that, for a while, it was kind of dead. Like, no one was playing it anymore. No one thought it was that great anymore. But uh, it won the GP, so maybe we'll expect more of it in the future. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I didn't even know Brussels was the thing. <laughs> well, face-to-face games actually went there. Sweet. Uh, and the whole crew went there. Um, to have a good time. Heard it was a great show, and uh, for some reason, the folks like Matt or uh, Vicente posted a picture of them buying infinite promo Thalias. I don't know why that is, or why they were able to get so many, but uh, they showed like a picture of basically fifty of them. Okay. So I guess the Europeans were trying to trying to unload them uh, to us. Uh, one thing that Jay wanted us to talk about, despite not yeah, being I'm here. Yeah, I'm actually literally on that website right now. And uh, it's a whole uh, story about how Wizards does not want uh, too much. I don't know. Actually, I don't know the exact um, statement they, they were given. But uh, from what I understand, MTG Goldfish uh, used to put metagame breakdowns and all these stats about these matchup stats. And uh, I guess Wizards doesn't like that and is highly discouraging them from posting this stuff. And I imagine, like everyone's saying this, that it's it's so people don't solve the, the metagame as fast. Uh, did you read any of that stuff? Or... I, I read a little bit of that stuff, but like understanding more like the thought process behind it. I remember an article or a video or a something that Wizards put out. Uh, I, I feel like it was during Innistrad, and they were talking about how, in development and stuff like that, like the the big thing is how quickly a format gets solved, really correlates with how much it's enjoyed, and that when a format doesn't get solved so quickly, 
you have a lot of people who are out there innovating and it stays really uh really uh i don't know flexible or uh influenceable but once people start to realize what the best deck is through any sort of testing and stuff like that if a deck does kind of emerge as like a best deck then the format starts to like do this weird thing where everything kind of builds itself like you're either able to beat that deck or you're playing that deck and trying to beat itself so you know you get into like the weird affinities you get into the cobblades you get into like these matchups where there isn't really a whole thing going on even like the mono black that we recently had um and it just it stops being fun like the success of the game the popularity of the game all of these different things people want to be able to bring new decks to the table they want to have a wide open uh tournament that's why we have a ban list in modern there are some decks that are just way too abusable but there's also things like blood braid elf where blood braid elf was a ban just to chop the top off the pyramid to make it so that more decks were viable so i yeah, i can understand why they would want to discourage people from doing this kind of stuff because if you're aggregating all this information you put out you know stuff like this that tilts the metagame a little bit too much that kind of drives people a little bit uh too close to solving the format and that's one of the reasons why you know things change as much as they do when new sets come out obviously they want to make lots of money but they're at a good pace right now where by the time the format kind of gets solved we're already getting ready to mess around with it a little bit more yeah so i'm i'm reading the uh exact Oh no, the, the the tweet that was linked from the Reddit post is, is just MTG Goldfish, their Twitter account. The tweet was Wizard asked us to stop publishing the data. And that's that's interesting because that means like the information can still be uh retrieved yeah. and gathered. It just can't they just don't want them to uh to publish it. Um But I, I mean I felt like they could just stop it uh pretty Easily, um, I know my friend. Uh, uh, he's he's from your side of the country, Sean Gifford. Um, he has a he bought a site, um, MTG Pulse, who who has who does basically the same thing. Who is able to he's ha- he has some kind of script that is able to look at all these eight mans and see what they're playing. Uh, basically, cards what they're playing. The script gets an idea based on those cards of what deck that player is playing and then has a result at the end of it does this deck red green tron was able to beat affinity whatever and then puts it all in the database i feel like uh mtg goldfish probably uh does something like that well what from what i know they don't actually the website itself is not responsible for all this data gathering it's just some other guy that provides them with the data and then they use the data to show it on the website or and to make articles with um but uh, can't they just stop top eights or I mean eight mans from being like viewable by other players um, to stop this uh, daily gathering? I mean, before you could watch, I guess you could watch other people's dailies. Yeah, you used to be able to like go and view any match inside of a tournament after the match was finished. Right. So I don't know why they don't just stop all that shit if they're if they're scared of that. Well, I think, like, there's some value in posting, like, some of those events, like the dailies, like, you know, they'll put the most popular, the, the I think it's the highest attendance dailies they'll post on the website. 
to show off deck lists and stuff like that. You still want to have some of that aspect because that gets the game exciting. You want to have some of that information getting out. I guess they just want to try and avoid people uh, really, you know, abusing the abilities that they get from being able to just find anything. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. Those words <laughs> actually were just straight up garbage. <laughs> like, it's uh, out there. People are going to get the information. So I, I appreciate the way Wizards went about it and just said, yo, bro, just shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but they're not getting so- sued. They're not getting anything like that. They're just getting a, yo, bro, please shut up. This makes I the game so- funner. Surprised that they, a lot of people really uh, seem to be angry. Oh my me. goodness! No, magic players <laughs> angry at things. Holy shit! Oh, oh man, what are we gonna do? But I love the data. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna ask the guy to send it to me <laughs> privately. <laughs> oh, um, bro! Yeah, jeez. Because it's always interesting to see how, um, just to, even if it doesn't necessarily help you for your upcoming tournament or standard tournament or whatever, um, because it's obviously your in-store metagame is definitely different from the online one. It's just interesting to see what the trends are, what are well, what's winning. And I've never used their limited data where they actually tell you like, I think they break down how good a card is. Like, this card is played in this many winning decks and stuff like that, and uh, which colors have been winning more than others, so you can get a sense of what the weakest color is. So those those are interesting in that I want to see that after I've drafted myself a few times and be like, oh, man, I think green's the shittiest color, but then I look, and it's it's, like, actually not. It's, like, the strongest or whatever, so... But I didn't use it so much that I'm super disappointed that I won't have access to it anymore. But anyways, we have a guest what? for the show. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Okay, I don't want us to, like, finish up with our guests and then go, because, like, I played in a freaking, like, GPT and did something incredibly stupid, and I'd love to tell all that story, too. I okay, want we'll to tell the story last week, but fuck you. <laughs> we'll tell it while he's on, then. Yeah, I will. All right, welcome to the show, tech idiot Paul Dean. How's it going, Paul? <laughs> uh, yeah, things are great. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, and I think Jeremy's doing yeah, great. Yeah, I'm doing great. I want to get right into it because I'm following KYT's lead of don't talk to anybody casually before the show. Just fucking yeah. get right into it. Um, so the first question comes from Jay Boosh. Uh, our, our missing compadre <laughs> who's uh, doing his school thing. And his question was, who the fuck is Paul Dean? <laughs> yeah, who the fuck is Jay Boosh? <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Paul, tell us about yourself, man. Give us the rundown. Oh, I, oh, I thought that was just a dig. I don't know. <laughs> no, it is a dig, but we're going to turn it into a realistic question because, like, there isn't a ton of people who are watching coverage these days who don't realize that you were, like, slamming the floor with people. So, yeah. Jeremy's been digging at me all night, man. So we we need another <laughs> another target here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Where do you play? Okay, I'm from Toronto. I'm an accountant. I play face to face games in Toronto pretty often. 
Uh, but aside from that, just GPs and stuff like that. I, I don't play uh, like weekly FNM or anything like that. Um, yeah, and I play with Lucas Sia's basement team. Okay, you're part <laughs> of the basement. That's where we play the most. Yeah. That's like Lucas Sia and Daniel Fournier and them. So, you know, it's pretty good for me because I get to like beat up on bad players like really, really often. And so it boosts my <laughs> esteem and ego. So that's how I get so good. Oh, okay. That's good. You know, yeah. it's like sending people down to the minors, right? To just yeah, go like going and slap around F&M people and build up your confidence. Yeah, going to FNM is a challenge, so I just go to Lucas's basement instead. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. Early on, Paul, um, I have to say before uh, I began talking more with you, um, I remember when when you when you won your PTQ, I had asked you had a conversation, but you know how you eventually got over the hump or uh, got over the hump again. I forgot if it was your first win or not, but I was still trying to get there. Uh, I was getting close, and um, I was asking. And and but before that, um, I I just knew you as how like when people uh, when even though I hadn't accomplished anything competitively. I was associated with with Alex Hanelot because he's he's one of my closest friends, and people assumed I was good. And to me, for the longest time, like before I got to know you, you were just that guy that that plays with Lucas or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so you <laughs> assume I'm very part. bad, though. Um, no, I had, wow. I had high respect. I had high respect for Lucas. I actually thought thought you were good as well. I had high respect for Lucas. <laughs> I thought you were good as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, no, like, Lucas is, you know, probably the best player in Toronto. I think that's the consensus idea. So, yeah. I understand. I'm just living in his shadow until now. <laughs> until now, the bearded one is uh, top-aided the last PT and took down Owen Turnwall in the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Very lucky. So lucky. <laughs> um, well, actually, let's talk about a lot of non-magic stuff. Like, one of the most intriguing things about you is that uh, a few... Actually, I don't know how long. It's like a year or two ago, you decided to say, fuck it, and just go to Asia for a while. <laughs> yeah, that was about a year ago, I guess. Uh, I was just feeling stagnant in my life or whatever and uh, I just decided to quit my job and I bought a one-way ticket to Shanghai. I didn't really uh, plan it out or think ahead or anything. <laughs> so I just, uh, yeah, I decided I would just go there, figure it out when I got there. I thought I was going to travel for like two or three years or so and just, uh, you know, find myself or whatever. But... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, I mean, it was great. I went to live with a friend, Jay Wu, and uh, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I spent a couple months backpacking around Europe, too, but eventually I just realized that Toronto is home and Toronto's better. I mean, that life of, you know, traveling for three or four years, I think that's kind of overrated. Eventually, you know, the homesickness settles in. It's real. So I came home about uh, two months ago, but uh, it was very good while it lasted. <laughs> All I can remember is uh, when you said that you were going to lay off Facebook for a bit 
And uh, but still, all I could see is you posting <laughs> you with attractive Asian women on your Instagram. So that got <laughs> linked to the Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this guy is like showing us that he's living the life. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes the world's just got to know that you know <laughs> the truth of how great it <laughs> everything is. <laughs> Um, Jerry, would you ever do something like that? Just like, <laughs> well, not now. Not I guess. now, not now. I'm <laughs> lame now, but you know, yeah, that would have been awesome to do. I was, I was never in a position to be able to do that kind of stuff uh, when I was younger. But I guess at the same time, like, no, I couldn't even afford a plane ticket, so fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's get get to uh, fast forward to your pro tour, uh, Paul. Um, I assume you were you were testing with Lucas's basement. How did you guys come up with the list that you ended up playing, and, and did everyone else uh, on the team end up with the same thing? Well, it, we didn't do that much that was that innovative, really. What we did was, I mean, we played around with a ton of Abzan decks because, I mean, that's what me and Lucas have been playing for the past year and a half or so. It's just seed rhino in every deck usually with Elspeth or a whole bunch of Nissa World Wakers or something. But, uh, in, you know, the the big cards weren't really that powerful anymore. The only good card is Wingmate Rocks. So really, the only way you could build Abzan is to make it an aggro deck. And so there's not that much innovation, really. But we eventually came across the Star City list that Brad Nelson and I think Tom Ross and some other guys played. And that was the one that had the mana base with like 25 untapped lands. And at that point, I just uh, really fell in love with the mana base. It was doing exactly what I wanted it to do. And I mean, we changed a few cards. I think they were playing four den protectors or so, but I just felt that that card was too expensive. The card cost like seven. (laughs) 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 It's like a thousand mana. You know, I mean, I think everyone has the idea that it's a two-mana two-one as well. It helps you curve out. But really, in this format, a two-one just doesn't cut it, you know, against like Mantis Riders and all that stuff. So eventually, we just cut the den pro- couple of den protectors, and that was it. I mean, that's really the only change we made from that deck list, I think. Maybe they had one Valorous stance, but that sucks, so we got it. You said you, said you and Lucas played it a lot, but at some point... Um, well, at least to the public, like the the style sort of diverged because you were just adamant about four Nissa being the the high nut, so <laughs> the nut higher. So the high nuts. Explain some of that. That uh, like did I, I know he tried it. He tried it in a bunch of dailies. He tried your exact list that you won an online PTQ with. So why did you diverge from your uh, first love? Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, the first love being Elspeth, you mean, or? Oh, okay, okay. Why do you diverge from your, your second love? I guess. Okay, give me. I'll give you a little bit of history of my relationship status. First of all, I was in love with this girl. Her name was Elspeth. She always treated me right, but eventually, you know, things just get boring and tired. And you know, you just <laughs> need someone new in your life. You know, someone exciting. It's not the same thing every single day. You know. So I tried playing this a world waker. I came to realize, well, actually what happened first was I was playing Elspeth, and I came to realize that every single time someone cast a Nissa against me, I would always lose. 
And, you know, usually we would have like a one of Nissa in our deck. And we always win when we cast it. And eventually I just, I don't know, I put two and two together. I'm like a astrophysicist or something. So I decided to play more Nissas, played four of them. And that card is un- unreal. I really think that during that standard format, that deck was unbelievably good. Nobody was playing Nissa. I don't really understand, but anyway, anytime I cast it, I won. So I just played four Nissas. She carried me to, yeah, that was from Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. So and where were three. you playing? I got there. Where were you, where were you playing exactly? You were in Asia playing uh, this online PTQ. You were like uh, basically on your own, decided to just j- put four Nissas on your MTGO deck and, and won the whole thing. Right. Yeah, basically. I mean, I was, so I was in Shanghai. My internet connection was awful. I could, <laughs> I could barely make it through a daily event usually. But the thing about like the internet there is that like during the day it gets much worse because everybody's like awake or whatever. And uh, so, but luckily this PTQ started at midnight and it finished at 9 a.m. So I was able to play like throughout the night while everybody was asleep and I didn't disconnect. It was just very lucky, really. Wow. Kind of like you right now, Jer. Yeah, pretty much. So, so you moved for four Nissas, and but then now with your PT, you you sort of decided to, uh, you know, you you ditched her again and moved on to to like a man, right? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Nissa changed over time. You know, at first she was like this just delicious wonderful girl and then she just became this little <laughs> weak garbage girl and she just didn't do it for me anymore and so I had to you know find a new love which was Anna Fenza which the foremost she knows how to get it done <laughs> she can attack for lethal definitely no yeah she's not like that so anyway yeah I mean Anna Fenza was I think it's pretty insane in the format. Um, actually, we thought that those like blister pod and hangerback walker type decks would actually be very popular because we had a deck like that that was doing very good, but it was only bad against Abzan. It was very, very good against Jeskai and against Green White and stuff like that. And hmm. I thought that the Abzan mana base was almost as good as the Green White one. And so it was basically green, white, both Anapenza and Siege Rhino. So that's basically how I decided that Abzan was better in green, white. Hmm. Okay. Um, now, I know you've written an article on, on Channel Fireball. Uh, a big deal was made by, like, the, the stream, people watching the stream that you know, Owen had beaten you in the last round because he w- was hoping that Reed Duke would make it. Um, had had he beaten you, you snuck in there anyways, and then you faced Owen in the quarterfinals. So people were playing up the revenge angle, and uh, I enjoyed watching that. I enjoyed watching your beard, and I enjoyed watching when Owen missed his land drop, and you could see your eyes sort of move a little. <laughs> and and the commentators actually commentated on, on the fact that like you made that facial. <laughs> expression it's like oh man i i got a good shot to win this game <laughs> yeah well i mean I, we thought the matchup was actually really bad i mean i still think it is i was just honestly really expecting to lose 
So they were kind of uh, like Lucas and Jesse Hampton were kind of testing my matchups in the semifinals. And uh, I was just like, you know, maybe it's just better to just focus on this quarterfinal matchup. I'm not sure we're going to make it to the semifinals. And they didn't even test like Abzan and Mirror. Although I, I didn't think, I thought I knew that matchup pretty well already. So I was just like, yeah, just forget it. We're not going to make it through this quarterfinals anyway. And so, like, when I was playing in the feature match against Owen, I, I know this sounds, like, overdramatic, but I really did not expect to win. And that's, I guess, why I wasn't nervous. I was kind of like, you know, all right, I guess I came eighth. That's great. That's it. And then the first game, he drew the crap. I think after the first game, you can kind of see my I'm just, like, you know, pretty surprised. And then he misses his third land drop in the second game. I'm like, holy shit. Like, these stars are, like, aligning right now. <laughs> I'm hitting my outs. I thought he was going to have to have a cardiac arrest in order to make it to the semifinals. But <laughs> I guess we have other outs, too. Anyway, so I got lucky. That's what happened. <laughs> I love it. Uh, did you end up playing the same list at uh, GP Quebec City? Or did you make some changes? I made, like, very little changes. I put, like, an ultimate price in the main deck because I thought it was better now because uh, I thought everybody would be playing Warden, which is very good, at Jace, and we're playing Tassiger, too, so it wasn't quite so dead against Jeskai, uh, but that's, like, basically it. Actually, <laughs> so I started off... Well, during the Pro Tour, I had basically no mana problems. Like, just curved out every time with perfect mana. <laughs> I was playing, like, so well. I was just really on point withdrawing my seven cards and uh, then during Quebec City I started off 7-0 as well and then I think my deck contracted Ebola or something because I went <laughs> like 9-6 and six or something after starting 7-0 and then I went to Indianapolis and I went like 0-5 or something I just after that seventh round in GP Quebec City I never hit my third color again for like the rest of my life so now I'm not sure if this deck is good or not anymore. <laughs> but but you started pretty good, right? At least you were. Fe- I saw you in the feature match area. I didn't know exactly how good or bad you were doing, but but you were in the feature match area for at least a round or two, right? I was I was in the, there like like three rounds, I guess. I, I guess you know I had just come top four at the PT, and I was playing against Shahar, and then I played against Seth Manfield. I played against someone else in the feature match area too. No, I remember her. But anyway, yeah, I was featured a whole bunch of times, but then it, uh, I crashed and burned after round seven. Never won again. <laughs> um, is there, like, would you run this back if, you know, let's say you had an important uh, tournament tomorrow? I I don't really know. I think that Jess guy is probably better, but this man is pretty ugly, too. Actually, I played the uh, face-to-face Toronto Games Invitational this weekend, and I won. I was playing Amazon <laughs> Aristocrats. I, was, I just wanted to play that deck that we had for the pros for. I just wanted to play it for funsies. Actually, I ended up beating Amazon twice, so that's pretty good, too. But uh, anyway, that deck's fun, but I'm not sure it's the best. I really don't know what's the best now. I, I still think Abzan is the best if you draw well. Like if you curve out with Warden, you cannot yeah. lose. There's no deck that can beat you if you go like Warden and Offense of Dramocus Command. That's unbeatable by anything in the format, but sometimes you're just going to have like 
awful mana and you're just kind of loose. So I think, uh, I'm not sure. I, I haven't like played a lot of standard in the past two weeks. So I never really got tested enough, like, you know, a thousand times to see if this mana problems is really that bad. Hmm. Uh, one thing I've been harping on or discussing on, on the show for the past couple of weeks, and, and I would love your take being the uh, PT top four with the deck is um, I just wasn't in a, in a, quite a few matchups. I was just not that, especially Jeskai, not that impressed with Gideon. And in a lot of spots, he was always awkward to cast out hit four mana. And I'm like, if I can't even play it. And I wanted your impressions of the card, and if you've had similar experiences as well. I think you are dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, sometimes, like, you know, they have a Mantis Rider, and so if they attack Gideon and Cole against Command or something, you lose Gideon. But even then, they've used a card, the Cole against Command. Well, I guess it's a two-for-one, so, you know, depending how you look at it, it doesn't count. But you still get a two-two. And that's the worst-case scenario. Whereas the best case scenario is that they don't have a board and you cast him and he easily wins the game on his own. I, I have had only good experiences with him. Once in a while you can't cast him, but at the very, very worst, he's like a four mana, you know, glorious anthem, which is still not even that bad. I think that maybe you're always expecting him to win the game on his own, but he won't always do that. Only like 99% of the time. Yeah, I'd say ninety-nine percent is just not good enough. <laughs> it's not yeah, enough I mean, for me. Well, he's not Jake. He's not going to win the game a hundred percent of the time, you know. But it's close. <laughs> Jace is even better. Um. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's the reason why I've I've uh maybe those specific matchups where I was either against Matt Strider or a well-timed Crackling Doom or. They luckily draw drew their one Sarkin that they have, and they just nail me. Um, so I've been in a lot of spots where it, it didn't feel that great. Um, but I have had it where it just won the game on its own, especially against a lot of these Esper decks. And even in, um, like, the mirror, they have to answer it with, like, a Windmate Rock or whatever, or else it's just going to take over the game. So yeah. I haven't, I just haven't been, like, super... Uh, I've had, like, against Jeskai Black especially, I felt it's been more awkward than not. That's been my my game experience. Yeah, well, I think that there are sometimes... He's at his worst against Jeskai, which unfortunately is the most popular. But I think that you have to consider, you know, what else would you have instead of Gideon? If they if you're casting a Rhino instead... Well, you're already coming for a Rhino. So if you had, let's say, Archangel of Tide or something like that, I mean, you're still dying yeah, I, to Crackling Doom. So yeah, you're right. I couldn't like while deciding what 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 would be better. I couldn't actually think of anything. Yeah, like I think like that Archangel. The, Go I ahead. Think the high end threats are not really that great in this format. Wingmate Rock's basically the best you can do. That's another time Gideon's bad is Wingmate Rock. Like if they've rated a Wingmate Rock, but at that point, really nothing is going to keep you in the game. I mean, except like Tragic Arrogance or something. But that's you know not realistic. You can't put that main deck or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, you're right, Paul. Um, like, especially against when I was against Control, like Gideon, 
uh, he's not a creature, so he he offers that uh, different dimension that they have to deal with. Yeah, uh, when they have that mana, you just cast them into their Ojisai's command. That's always, you know, quite backbreaking right. because that's like their only counter magic. Right, right, and and in the mirror, like or against green white, when I was playing against Metamorph, I was happy if they had Archangel because at least I had Abzan Charm to get rid of it. Whereas yeah. if they played a Gideon, I'm just like, well, fuck, I can't really do anything. Yeah. Um, so, so you're right. I completely agree. I, I couldn't find anything better, and maybe it's just the best. Uh, it is definitely the best. It's not the as you said. I agree with you completely. The worst uh, feels the worst against Jeskai, but it's probably still the best card in that slot, uh, given the format, uh, given what we have so far yeah. in Battle for Zendikar. I think that the only better, arguably better card is Archangel of Ties, but that's hard to play in Abzan. You'd have to be like just green white. Um, and the problem is, uh, well, yeah, so you have to, uh, hold up, yo, what's up, yo, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Talking anyway. to yourself. No, I have, I have friends, I swear. No. Anyway. Uh, so I saw that, uh, at, in Indianapolis, Craig Wesco was playing four Archangel Ties in his black-white deck and, and playing no Gideons because he was expecting to play against a bunch of red-white, or, I mean, a bunch of red and also a bunch of Jeskai. I think that Archangel is better in those two matchups, but it's not better anywhere else. So uh, I just think Gideon is better. <laughs> it's way better. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to agree. I think uh, given that comparison, I, I, have to, I, I, felt, I, I felt really comfortable playing against Green white when they when they tapped four mana to play that and I had like a murderous cut or whatever removal spell I had in my hand uh, for the the archangel. Um, I did ask you like yesterday if you were planning to go to GP Pittsburgh. What's what are the odds on that right now? And if you were going, uh, what do you plan to play? And if you've done any testing? Uh, well, I'm probably like seventy percent to go. I, uh, we've done some testing, but, you know, I don't really like any of the decks. I'm not like <laughs> a rocket scientist, so I can't play Amulet. Every other deck sucks, so I don't really you know. You said you were an astrophysicist. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I said I'm not. Maybe, I don't know. I'm just an accountant here. I, so I can count to 18, which is wild for I play Escape Shift. <laughs> now, are you going to do the bring the light thing? I don't really like Bring Floyd, but uh, I do like Primeval Titan. And yeah. what I like more than that is Oracle of Moldiah. I hope okay. you weren't looking for, like, cutting-edge strategy here. I don't have that for you for modern. <laughs> no. no, no, we're not. We're just, uh, I don't know what we're looking for. But <laughs> we just want to talk about magic cards. Yeah, yeah and, and your life in China. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, think, I think Amulet's the best, but I can't play it. I'm not. I'm not Fatty Hermes or Lucas Co. Um, <laughs> is that yeah. is that what Lucas Lucas really thinks is a, a good deck right now? Is like, that what he's on? Gun? I mean, I think we all know it's a very good deck, but I'm not sure if he'll play it either. I'm not sure if he has enough practice. I'm not sure what he's going to play. Mm. And if I did know, I wouldn't even tell you. <gasps> Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> Well, it's still now. He used to actually release after, but now since we released before the weekend, people won't tell us things. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I mean, anyway, I don't think he likes any of the decks either, so he'll probably play some Jun deck, but uh, that's 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 our default. If we don't know what else to do, we just play a black-green deck. Sounds the only fair. thing we know. It's like going back to training wheels. Yeah, you guys were uh, bringing back, uh, like, playing Olivia Voldaren and Jun before it was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate that card, though. I like Hunter. <laughs> Um, but we're, we're not seeing much Jun. We're just seeing a bunch of, uh, at least all in the online deck list and everything, where Junk is one of the more uh, popular decks right now. Junk or Jun? Junk. Lingering Souls. Yeah, Lingering Souls is good. And Path to Exile is pretty good. Yeah. Rhino is okay. <laughs> deck needs to play more Gideons and Anaphenses. <laughs> you So you might... Right now, you, you you might lean towards Scape Shift. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not really doing very much testing. Uh, I'm, like, very busy at work, so that's why I'm, like, only 70% to go, because I might have to work instead. But uh, mm. I'm just going to play Scape Shift. <laughs> that's about it. Unless some other deck uh, makes me tear up, turns me on. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> You gotta develop a new relationship. <laughs> play like turn two Anafenza. And then yeah. turn four Anissa. <laughs> and that would be good. Uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I think it would be good. Yeah. Yeah, you can't kill like these bands with Ugin, so Tron's gonna die. It's just the perfect cart. Anyway, I don't have any modern insight for you. Oh, no problem, uh, Paul. Before we let you go, uh, in in the PT or in the GP, do you have any scumbag stories for us? Anybody that scummed you? It's a regular part of the. This is the key part of the podcast where you hear me talk shit about somebody. Yes. Yeah. Well, no. We what we want you to do is we want you to talk shit about shit. <laughs> oh, I see. Everyone's done it. Everyone's you know, like, it. everybody's been, like, either you're the scumbag or somebody scumbagged you. Yeah. Oh, I'm never a scumbag. I'm a nice guy. Oh, I, I scumbag. But, uh, uh, I don't know. I can't really think of anything. Honestly, I think any, everybody at the Pro Tour is actually very nice. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like the atmosphere of the pro tour just puts people on their best behavior or something. They don't want to be like a shithead when all their, you know, favorite players are around or something like that. Or they know they're gonna be on camera or coverage or whatever, so they're not like big assholes. Uh I don't I don't know. I don't really have a scumbag story. They just didn't Actually, want to miss I, I, okay, I have like sort of a story. This is like a little bit of a throwback though, not from the PT. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, throwbacks okay. are good. All right. So this one time I was playing against this guy. I go unnamed. He was in the finals of WNCQ in Montreal. Now, I drove with this guy, and we ended up being in the finals of the WNCQ. He was talking all oh, this shit behind my back, like yo, Paul Dean's a pussy, and I'm gonna beat him, and he's so bad, and blah 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 blah. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then he ended up beating me, and I 
I I had to drive his ass all the way home. It was like six hours. We got back at like 6 a.m. The whole time, he was just like, oh, man, I'm the greatest. Everybody sucks <laughs> at me and all this stuff. And then I finally got to his place. It's like 6 a.m. And so he's got this airfare paperwork for France. Shithead. And we had the exact same backpack. And uh, so he's in my going into my trunk, and he's like, hmm, I wonder which backpack is mine. And he had the biggest shit-eating grin on his face. And then he's like, oh, it's this one. It has the airfare paperwork. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Scumbag. <laughs> so you guys must hang out still? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're still friends, but put that as like an asterisk. We're more like rivals, except I'm way better than he is. He has like no pro points. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I know who, who the said person is, and right now you're you're in a better spot than him. Yeah, I mean. In a way better spot. Yeah, can't stunt the scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, the that's only cool. scumbag story I could come up with. Oh, that's good. I like it. Uh, yeah, and it, it it's very good, and it, it's just it's just funny. And like in the in that moment, it's like, oh, you just lost, and now it's like fast forward. You're the one who top four to PT. You're the fucking badass. It's it's uh, yeah, it's really I mean, he's not even qualified for any pro tours. Who, who is this guy? <laughs> even if I said his name, you wouldn't even know him. He's like a nobody. <laughs> um. To our listeners, he has said his name during during the show. All right, it's Daniel Fournier. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, like, it's either Lucas or Daniel. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to call him out. Except, except the, uh, I might have, like, embellished the story a little, but he literally did say that air fryer paperwork thing. So, jump back. Wow, Fournier's the worst. <laughs> he does have a lot more GP topics than I do, so there's that. How many GP top eights do you have? Uh, I mean, you know, Magic's like a lucky, so, you know, sometimes <laughs> yes! you play well, you don't top eight any times. Most GP yeah. top eights on cast. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I don't have any GP top eights. Pornia has like three or something. So lucky. Yeah, well, Jeremy here finished second one, so yeah. that's pretty baller. Damn. Yeah. That's so lucky. Oh, extremely lucky because I'm terrible at this game. <laughs> it was it was the Jeremy opens Wolfer Silverheart yes. GP. Yes, walk away from a sealed and three drafts with three Wolfer Silverhearts. You know you're doing those things. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. All right, Paul. Thanks. Thanks for being on the show. Um. It was amazing. You're you're fucking hilarious, and I uh, hope we get you back on sometime. Okay, I hope I said at least something that made any sense at all. No, it was great. Right, Jared? <laughs> oh, no, it's yeah, absolutely. And if you fucked up or anything like that, we got a bunch of Google fat checkers, so they'll, they'll go through it. And, oh, uh, yeah, okay, great. Yeah, they're really all good right. at stuff. Okay, all right, thanks. Hey, was Have a nice All right, bye-bye. So, uh, yeah, that's who the fuck Paul Dean was. 
That was pretty good. Yeah. Paul Dean was pretty fucking Paul Dean, man. So a birdie told me that you, Moi. Jeremy Scumbag Schofield, had actually, I was, I was incorrect that both of us did not play Magic in, in the past little while, that you played some fucking Magic. I did. I, uh, I was in town two weekends ago. So um, it was, uh, yeah, so I, I get to go home like every two weeks. So that's why, like, when I missed the show last time, I was actually traveling from my home in Edmonton up to Shitball, Anzac, Alberta. And I was in Edmonton, and there was a... I, I thought it was a PPTQ, but I had gotten my wires crossed, and it actually ended up being a GPT with airfare for Vancouver. So, yeah, absolutely. Why not? Let's go do that. Uh, it uh, was Battle for Zendikar Limited. I got my pool. We did, like, that new swap thing where people open up cards in front of each other, and then... You register the person across from you and give the deck back type thing. So, went through, looking through my list. I built a blue-black deck that I'm pretty sure was not the optimal blue-black deck that I could build. Uh, but I managed to do well with it. So, it ended up being five rounds. Uh, I won my first round. I lost my second round to a guy who had just built like a really nice blue-white flyers deck that just was able to clog up the ground enough to get me in the air. And then I played a couple against, uh, against, I actually played against a lot of blue-black. A lot of people were playing blue-black. And I get myself to the last round. I'm 3-1, and one, and the standings come up. So the standings come up, and there was two 3-0 tables, so they had drawn with each other. So the top four uh, is already, you know, the, the, the like top two tables are already just going to draw in and lock up four spots. So I was at table four. So where I was sitting was I was currently in second last with tiebreaker for the tiebreakers. Um, there was another guy who was uh, a younger fella, and he was at the same point as me in the tiebreaker race. Uh, his tiebreakers were almost identical to mine. And then there was two guys who were like up in the higher plateau. So one of the things that I've come to really understand about myself is that I don't play magic very fast. I don't think I play Magic slow, but I do not play the game very fast. And I had not had any breaks. I had not had any chance to eat anything. I was starving. Like, I was just, I was getting in rough shape because I had finished my game, like, just before we go to time or in time every round. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the standings and the guy who's below me, who's going to get the pair down, who's going to have to play because it's not going to be a clean cut. He's got to play against the guy who's an extremely competent magic player. Like, if I had to bet money or if you could do any of that kind of stuff, like, I'd, I'd easily put it in his hands every day of the week. Like, he's just an extremely good magic player. So I'm looking at that. And I'm like, okay, I don't think Buddy's going to win his match. And then I'm looking at the draw scenario, and I think, like, the draw scenario is going to work out because, one, I need to eat food. I don't feel like I could do anything in the top eight unless I eat something. Uh, two... Again, I feel really comfortable that Buddy, who's below me, who's getting the pair down, is going to lose his match. And then the guy I'm up against, like, it doesn't really matter. And I also have, like, that other thing going that my breakers are almost identical to the guy who's ahead of me. Like, we're off by, like, I think we're off by a second decimal point. Like, it was so close. So I sit there and I go to my opponent and my opponent's like, I'm like, do you want to draw? Because I'm, I'm feeling, you know, what, like, let's do the draw. Um, if the other guy beside me wins his match, 
then he kind of leapfrogs anyways. If I lose my match, I'm completely out. Uh, if I win my match, I still have a chance of being out if Buddy next to me wins anyways. So, or no, no, if I won, I, I, I'd be in. I'd be locked in. But I, I just okay. decide I, I need to draw. I'm, I'm just exhausted or whatever the case may be. So I managed to convince my opponent into drawing because my opponent was like playing his very first like competitive event and had just managed to make, uh, you know, X1 into the last round. And he didn't really understand. Like he called a judge over to ask if we could legally do that. Like he was like way out of his element. So I tell him, I'm like, look, you were in a better spot than me. Uh, I ended up playing against uh, the fourth place, uh, not fourth place, uh, the fifth place guy. And the other guy had ended up playing against like the sixth place guy, like the, the seven and an eight. I was eight and he was seven. Uh, we had gotten this weird pair up because those guys had already played against each other in the other spot. And I, by the time we had like finally figured out the split and everything like that, the guy next to me who needed to play, who was, who was also at 3-1, who got the pair down, had already lost the game. Like he had just gotten blitzed by the other player. So I'm feeling really good. I'm going off to get my food and everything like that. When I'm out there, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, it's like, I finally like really start to grasp the concept that like if Buddy next to me had won, I'm completely out. There's no way that my tiebreakers are going to get me there. Like, I'm out if Buddy wins. So as I'm walking back from the sandwich place, I see the guy he was playing against outside having a smoke. And I'm like, oh, geez, you know, like something about that didn't feel right. So I went to him, I'm like, hey, man, like, how did you do? And he's like, oh, I just scooped him in. And I'm sitting there, my mind's blown. Like, I can't grasp oh. Like, what do you mean you scooped him in? You're up a game. And he's like, oh, well, when you guys drew, you made it impossible for me to make top eight. So I just conceded to him. And it was just like this like whole, like, why didn't I consider that angle? And then I also laughed to myself about it severely because wow. last, like the last competitive level event that I played in, I did the exact same thing where I scooped a guy into the top eight, but then realized that if I had drawn with him, uh, I would have uh, I would have made the top eight. Like, so I, I scooped him in because I thought I was completely and utterly out and okay. done the math wrong. So what I've learned is that I do not understand pairings math at all, or I make extremely poor decisions uh, when it comes to that stuff. So uh, it was very entertaining. Uh, it was funny because like a couple of the judges in the area, like or, or a couple of the judges who were at the event, you could see them there. Like they're still waiting for results to come in, but they'd walk up to me and they'd be like, "Jeremy, really?" And you know, you already knew. So as soon as like, ah, here's our top eight. But before we get started, in ninth place is Jeremy Schofield. And then he threw in there and he took an intentional draw in the last round. You know, like just the the extra rubbins. What? Why? Because. Why did it make you feel like shit? You were already. No, no, it was all good. Like we were already laughing about it. Like I, I already knew like as soon as. As soon as Buddy went like, I'm like, okay, I've got like a 2% chance that I'm going to you know, somehow leapfrog the other guy, the other guy who had, like, close breakers to me because he was still ahead of me, just barely. I figured, like, there's no chance I'm going to leapfrog him. Um, you know, whatever. That's, that, that's, it is what it is. So I'm sitting there. I'm feeling pretty good about it. And then, yeah, they do their ninth place announcement, and it's, it's hilarious. But the kid, <laughs> the kid who had the same breakers as me somehow jumped, like, 7%. Like, just... Right out of nowhere, his breakers just blew the whole thing wide open. So, all right, all right, yeah. But it was neat. Like, 
I like the new GP system or the new uh, sealed deck system where you kind of like look at your own cards and stuff like that. Like there was two guys who had gotten uh, expeditions out of it. Yeah. You don't want the whole, oh man, do I drop or not type of feeling. I like this. Yeah, absolutely. You get away from that. So that's, that's pretty badass. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I'm excited to play another one. I'm going to be home this weekend coming up here. So there's one at Warp 2 in Edmonton on Sunday. So I'm going to go play in that GPT. Ready? Yeah. Uh, there was a PPTQ, but the shop that does it, like, does some weird things. Um, lately, they used to, like, do a whole bunch of, like, 30, 40-man tournaments and stuff like that. But now, for whatever reason, they only do, like, 8-man and 16-man PPTQs. And you can only pre-register in store, and by the time the pre-registration goes up, it always seems that they're full. So it's just like has some real feel bads to it about how they're handling it. So um, I, I'm not going to play in that tournament, but I'll play in another GPT. It's pretty funny because uh, I've mentioned him before on the show. His name's Brandon Capel. He's like a, an L2 in the Edmonton area. He just opened up his store, so I was playing at a store called Variant Edition. Uh, it was a pretty badass store. They got like lots of magic art on the walls, and they got a big play space. And uh, it's a pretty cool, like store that he's uh, uh, gotten going there. Uh, but he went and did all of his Vancouver GPT stuff right off the get go. So as soon as like he was able to start booking them, he booked them all, made up his tournaments, posted them out, and everyone's pretty much just copy pasted his his events just on different dates, which is badass because it means like every GPT there's three months worth of GPTs for Vancouver, and almost every one of them is offering uh, flight vouchers. That is, that is insane. Yeah, so it's like, uh, essentially, it's, I think, everybody, I think they're all priced at, like, $50, so they are a little bit more expensive for the sealed, but $10 out of every entry goes towards your plane ticket. And then, like, the pack pricing is all, like, legit, so. I like it. Yeah. So, uh, again, he's just... He's done a lot of good things, and even just doing that is even kind of set like the bar. This is where everybody should be at, and everybody's kind of following it. So uh, the Edmonton scene's looking really, really good for that kind of stuff. I am happy for you, and like the Edmonton, uh, the people in Edmonton. Yeah, absolutely. All we need is a man deprived. Oh wait, face to face games super <laughs> open series to. Uh, <laughs> Come to Edmonton. <laughs> Edmonton. Edmonton. Because you guys won't come to Anzac. And please don't come to Anzac. <laughs> hey, there, there was a. What do you think of Red Deer? Red Deer? Red Deer. Red Deer. Red Deer is fine, yeah. That's like. Is that smack in the middle, sort of? Just, uh, well, it's pretty close. It, yeah, it's pretty close. Like, if you did something in Red Deer, you'd probably get, like, all the sickos from both. Yeah. But at the same time, we try to avoid doing things that give them cred. Um, so, you know, like, that's kind of a key thing. It's always been with Red Deer. It's like you have to choose. Like, you're either identify Calgary or identify Edmonton. You know, oh, wow, I love Red- it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, really no respect for Red Deer, which is so bad because... Well, it isn't. (laughs) I love you, Curly. I love you, Sponge. (laughs) 
Any anything else we want to talk about? Are you playing any more funky games? Funky games. Uh like the bomb game. Yeah, yeah. It's uh yeah, keep talking and nobody blows up, I think is what they they call that game. Or nobody explodes. Yeah. Uh no, uh haven't been playing anything too funky. Uh they had like a weird games workshop uh humble bundle for like old games workshop games, which are like just PC ports of board games and card games, so like, if I have, like, ten minutes to kill, I'll run through a game of Chainsaw Warrior, which is kind of like a weird card game type thing that you can play online. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's not even online. You just play it on your computer. Like, it's 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 like a, a monoplayer de- card deck game that you used to play. So, whatever. Um, but I'm waiting to get home because I want to play a whole bunch of Fallout 4, like, the rest of the world. Yeah. So that's kind of my thing. Um, yeah, I'm like, I guess, what, a week behind everybody, so. Uh, I still haven't gotten the game yet. Um, yeah, but what's your excuse? Uh, I don't know. I don't have one. Um, there's there's a bunch of exciting games uh, that, that have been released. Um, I guess we're... Like what? It makes sense. We're, we're close to holiday season. Uh, I mean, the... Well, I haven't played this in, in ages, but uh, StarCraft II expansion looks pretty interesting. Um, and oh, yeah, that could reason, be a fun time. Yeah, and for some reason, my, my Twitter feed is still filled with a lot of Diablo three enthusiasts because every patch adds significant content, apparently. So um, there's a lot of gaming going on with all my friends, but a lot of them are, are definitely playing Fallout 4 and, uh, for the most part. So Yeah, I'm trying to like do my best to avoid kind of any spoiler any content like even like the streams and stuff like that just trying to stay away from like all that stuff because yeah i i just want to enjoy the game and again i don't know i think it's like my second favorite like franchise have you played all of them oh yeah yeah i i remember reading like pc mag and seeing the first ad that i saw for fallout and then at the time I was going to a school that was right next to a place that used to rent PC games back when like that never happened. But yeah, they yeah. rent out PC games. So I rented Fallout for the PC and had a hell of a lot of fun with it. And then the first one I bought was Fallout 2 and I played a bunch of that. I didn't play any Brotherhood of Steel or any of the other things like that. Uh, and then when Fallout 3 came out, like it was just holy shit. You know, so. What's your second favorite? What's your top two favorite franchises? Uh, the XCOM series. Ah. I grew up on XCOM, like UFO Defense. Like, that was. I used to play that game. I played that <laughs> game yearly. Like, I would make sure that it was always on my computer, and like once a year, I would just start up a, a brand new uh, a UFO Defense campaign and go through it and. Play the odd terror from the deep, and Apocalypse was really awkwardly weird, so I tried not to play that too much, but loved UFO defense. Um, Terror from the deep, I always just found really... Yeah, and Apocalypse was just... It was neat, it was kind of cool, it had like this really weird feel to it, uh, but just couldn't beat UFO defense. And then Enemy Unknown has been really good. Um, I I like the Enemy Unknown, I like the Enemy Within. Uh, I love the long war mod that you can get for XCOM. 
And then XCOM 2 looks really cool. I love that they made a sequel that's based on you losing in the first game. So, um, I think that that's yeah, you should cool. You should talk to Durf. You, you like Fallout and, and XCOM. He's pretty passionate about that stuff. You guys are like the exact same gamer. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 I could totally be gay for Durf. <laughs> I remember going to like Toronto and we hung out at the booth together. Like I was signing in some tokens and talking with fans and stuff like that. And he was doing what Durf does, which is just generate awesome on demand. And uh it was really cool hanging out with him that day. So Durf, you rock. You rock. You rock. And uh, I guess with that, that's our show. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the comments. And uh, we will see you next week. That's our show?